0: Greeny with Mike
1: Greenberg, the podcast.
2: Acting better than ever, Greeny with you live from the Seaport Studios in lower Manhattan. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests, as always, on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. They will include Diana Rossini with the latest on this top story here in just a moment. And then we'll have Marcus Spears a little later in the show. We'll set aside time for your calls this, uh, this afternoon as well. It is an unprecedentedly busy time. In sports history, it's never been this busy in the history of sports, of any sport, because we have uh, going on at the same time. You had an epic Monday night football matchup last night. Today, you've got the beginning of the baseball playoffs. Last night, you had the Stanley Cup awarded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Wednesday, you have the beginning of the NBA playoffs. Oh, by the way, the WNBA finals are around the corner and they're playing the French Open. So we literally have never had this much sports going on at one time. And so there's nothing in the world I want to do less than talk about the reason we got here. But this is the story today, and it isn't good. By now you've probably started to see some of the reports that the Tennessee Titans have had a a number of positive tests uh, for the coronavirus in their organization, including at last check amongst three players. And that obviously is... The news that we have been expecting, it would have been completely unrealistic to think we were going to go through an entire season without this being a problem. But it does now start to affect multiple teams. The Titans just played the Vikings. The Vikings, in an abundance of caution as they're describing, while they have had no positive tests to this point, are shutting down their facility. The Titans are shutting down their team facility until Saturday. The Titans are supposed to play Pittsburgh Sunday. That is, parenthetically, an enormous and outstanding game in the AFC between two and 3-0 teams that I think are thinking championship kind of thoughts. Will that game be played on Sunday? I don't know. At this moment, knowing what little I know, I, I'm not even going to, you know what? I was going to take a guess. I'm not even going to guess because there's no upside to my guess. What the heck difference does my speculation mean? We will have Diana Rossini momentarily, um, and she will give us the very latest on on what we have coming out of this story. This obviously is the last thing in the world anyone feels like talking about. All of us who cover sports waited months for these games to come back, and here they all are in this wonderful abundance. And that's what we're going to talk about, and we're going to continue to celebrate them. But this obviously is incredibly important news, and as soon as we have any further uh, ability to pass along information, i.e., Diana, we will tell you. Now, I will also say, and I'm going to do this, Right off of my phone here, guys, because as I was sitting in the chair getting ready to come on here, I saw a story about Notre Dame football as well, and I don't know exactly where we stand with that. But I have a story here from ESPN.com that was just posted moments ago. Notre Dame football announced yesterday, it's not moments ago, but Notre Dame announced yesterday it has 18 positive tests in its latest round of COVID testing. So where that stands, I don't know as of this moment either. Are we going to have further cancellations in college football? Yes, we are. Does this mean that conferences like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that are going to come back and try and sandwich eight games into eight weeks or whatever it might be are going to have a problem doing that? Yes, it does. Does it mean that we should be expecting and should have all along that there will be NFL games postponed? Yes, realistically, I think that is a reasonable expectation. And what exactly it will mean for the sport remains to be seen. We've seen baseball go through this. And, 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 and I'm going to bring this up when Buster joins me a little bit later in the program. But congratulations to, Gary, to Rob Manfred and the entire crew at Major League Baseball and a polite stick tap for Gary Bettman and all of the crew at the National Hockey League. The NHL became the first sport to get you to the finish line, the first team sport in this country to get you to the finish line last night through all of this. Good for them. Congratulations. That was by no means a certainty. And baseball, there was a time two months ago when they started getting all of these positive tests a week into their season. If you had asked me, Greeny, will they make it to this day, the day that we now get to enjoy with all this baseball on the schedule, including Shane Bieber against uh, Garrett Cole tonight, one of the best pitching matchups you could ever possibly imagine, would I have guessed we were going to get here? No, I would have guessed we would not. So there is cause for optimism. Baseball went through what they went through. You, 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 you get your positive test, you quarantine who you have to, you contact Trace, and you come back when you can. And I have a feeling that's what the reality is going to be for the NFL. So again, Diana will join us in a few minutes and she will share what she knows about where we stand as far as, I, I would guess, the very real possibility that at minimum, Pittsburgh, Tennessee is going to get postponed and in fact i'm being told right now by bubba that she is ready greenie presented by progressive insurance progressive's home quote explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance now you can go online get a custom quote and save both time and money learn more at progressive.com all right diana Rossini, our nfl insider extraordinaire is with me on the shell penn's oil performance line diana what can you tell us about the very latest regarding the titans their positive tests and what it means
1: Yeah, hi, Greeny. Well, right now the members of the Tennessee Titans staff, they are clearing out their offices. As everyone has been told, they have to leave the facility. The league told them they cannot go back until Saturday. So we're talking the next few days as they prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. They're going to have to do everything virtually. They're going to undergo a real deep cleaning of the facility as well. But you know you you look at this as a disadvantage for this team as they're getting ready to play in a really big game, both teams three and o headed into Sunday. as for the Steelers, I spoke with them. They're being told by the league right now to just continue to prepare for the game. No decision has been made. I did speak to a source in the league office, and he told me that they are discussing right now with the players' union and, of course, the league involved, trying to figure out what they want to do moving forward. And, you know, you you sort of look at the situation here, Greeny, and, you know, you look at the disadvantage for the Tennessee Titans here not being able to prepare like a normal team would – On a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even a Saturday, as they get ready for this game. And, you know, right now, all we can do is just sit and wait to see what the league is going to decide.
2: But I just want to make it 100% clear. When you say what the league is going to decide, what we're talking about, I assume, is the possibility of the game being postponed. Yes, I just want to make sure we're having the same
1: conversation. Mm. Yes, that is correct. So that's really the point we're at now with this story, right? So we we know that the Titans, they tested positive. We can call this a mini outbreak here at the facility here, with which included three players and uh, five members of the staff, including someone that works with the video department. Now, Greeny, they all wear these uh, tracing bracelets, as we know. So the league is also looking at... Those right now, in terms of who these people were interacting with, with the Tennessee organization, and also in Minnesota when they were there on Sunday. Now, the good news for Minnesota at this point right now is they did test negative for COVID 19. There were no positive tests. That test was taken yesterday, right? So they get the results today. They were tested again today, so we'll know more tomorrow. So they're not out of the, the, you know, out of the clear just yet, or in the clear just yet. Uh, but. Good news so far for Minnesota, but they were told that they also need to leave the facility. So right now they're being smart and safe, the league making sure they're being conservative here so this doesn't continue to become a bigger problem.
2: All right, that's outstanding work. Diana Rossini, again, the very latest. As of now, Tennessee-Pittsburgh still scheduled to be played, but there are discussions going on with the Players Association and the league and everyone else involved, and uh, the option of postponement remains on the table. Diana, while I have you, and I hate to make an abrupt, as abrupt a, tr- a change as this. But there is one thing that I need to say to you at this moment. And that thing <laughs> is congratulations for those who did not see it. Diana Rossini got married this past weekend. Congrat! My most heartfelt from Stacy and me and everyone, my most heartfelt congratulations to you. We could not be more delighted for you.
1: Thank you so much, Greeny. I actually thought of you uh, at our dinner because I had to make a toast and I was thinking the best person on the planet at toast is Mike Greenberg. Why didn't I invite him? So I made a really big party foul there by not having you, but maybe, maybe when I have another wedding, not that I'm getting a divorce, we just decided <laughs> to put off the big party. Uh, maybe for that one, you can come. So fingers crossed, we make it to 2022 for the big one and you'll be there.
2: I'm glad that you clarified that because the other way to mean that would be, listen, so the <laughs> next time I get married, Greeny, there's no question I would love to have you speak. Well, but I would be honored to, I would be honored to attend. I'm an excellent guest. Um, and, and all kidding aside, uh, you know, we love you. And it is it is just wonderful to see you in this in this very happy place. So congratulations, Diana.
1: Thank you so much. I'll see you Friday on Get Up.
2: OK, look forward to that. But Actually, check back in here in the next two hours if there's any further news on this. And Diana Rossini all over the very latest with the NFL again. That was obviously an abrupt transition, um, but it felt appropriate. And I've gotten to know Diana over the, the course of the last year or so, and she couldn't be more delightful And we're so happy for her, so that is a a very nice story in the midst of this not-so-nice story with the latest with Pittsburgh and Tennessee. I I don't like opining on coronavirus stories. It just feels like the circumstances are so complicated and unique, and there is information out there that I, I know I don't have. People are looking at data that I'm not privy to, and I totally get that. I will say that if the Titans are not able to do anything this week between now and Saturday, and the Steelers are, it would seem to me unfair for that game to be played as usual Sunday. Again, I don't like doing this because I get that there are so many considerations. But I know that the league has built in to its schedule some flexibility Ie some possibility of the Super Bowl getting delayed which I think we all recognize is is a possibility in all of this. It, it just would seem to me that if the Titans facility has been shut down forgetting the fact that they're 3 and 0 but they are 3 and 0 and they're playing another 3 and 0 team I mean it is an important game no game isn't important week 4 anyway. So it feels to me as though if their facility is shut down and they have to do everything on Zoom and they can't practice, the players can't be together so so just bear in mind what we're talking about here we all know what these protocols feel like, no matter where it is you live in America and you're listening to me from you've you've gone through some version of this, so the players aren't all they can't practice they can't all be on the same field so if if they would just have to do everything on Zoom and then show up and, on Sunday if everyone tests negative and play a game against the Steelers, that that doesn't feel right to me. And I'd be surprised if that is what they ultimately decide to do. And and if they do, then I'd like to hear the reasoning. And again, I'm not going to sit here and start jumping up and down and screaming and yelling about anything involving the coronavirus, because I get that these are complicated decisions that no one signed up to make. But that would strike me as sort of an unjust circumstance uh, Greenie, with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let me just say again, because I was planning on doing it later, and, and since we're just on this subject, I'll put a ribbon on it, we'll move on. Again, to Gary Bettman and everybody at Major League Baseball. I just said that backwards for the second time this morning. Excuse me. To Rob Manfred and everybody at Major League Baseball. To Gary Bettman and everybody in the National Hockey League. Congratulations. These were challenging circumstances that no one foresaw, No one has ever had to try to run a professional sports league the way you guys have, and you've done it. In the NHL last night, the cup was in the building, and it skated around with a championship team. Congratulations to the Lightning, and in the bigger picture, congratulations to the league and to the sport. And baseball, you got to this point. You got to your playoffs. We're going to get to the finish line. We're going to have a World Series in 2020, which is certainly not something that was guaranteed to any of us. So congratulations to all of you the the enormity of the undertaking here should not be overlooked all right so that's the less delightful part of the story Today. Uh, I will open up the phones to you a little bit later. Don't call yet because it's going to be a little while before we open the lines. But I will invite you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line, which is 888-SAY-ESPN. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It is official. College football is back. And so is your favorite Dr. Pepper loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice cold 20 ounce Dr. Pepper today. Again, we will open up the phones for you a little bit later. Now let us get to the place that I really want. Wanted to start this show, and that is with a coronation last night. Patrick Mahomes is ridiculous. There are a lot of great young quarterbacks in the National Football League. In fact, there has never been a time in my lifetime where there were more great young quarterbacks. I go back to '83. I remember Marino and Jim Kelly and and John Elway coming into the league the same year and other first round picks. What good careers Ken O'Brien and Tony Eason. Todd Blackledge, I remember that. I remember all the different occasions when we've had, it has felt like we've had a lot of great young quarterbacks in the sport. We've never had more great young quarterbacks in football than we have right now. And Lamar Jackson absolutely is one of them. But Patrick Mahomes is one of one. Mahomes is in his own category. Everybody else then comes after him. Start arguing over who's number two. In fact, no one is number two. Start arguing over who's number three. Because the space between Mahomes and everybody else is that great. And that's not diminishing anyone. It is a testament to just how special this player is. I don't even feel like I need to remind you to bask in what we are witnessing. We are witnessing the beginning of what is going to be one of these careers that gets talked about for 100 years after the player retires. We are witnessing Michael Jordan at the beginning. That's what you're seeing. He is a problem, and no one has the solution. No one has answers. Last night, the shrug, the counting on his fingers, this kid's a legend, and he knows it. Let me read you some numbers coming off of last night. I was handed, upon my arrival this morning to host Get Up here at our Seaport Studios, I was given this piece of paper, which has all of these Patrick Mahomes statistics on it. I could spend the rest of the show reading them to you but I'll just pick out a few that I like the most. Patrick Mahomes turned 25 a week and a half ago. September 17th is his birthday. He turned 25. Last night, he tied Dan Marino and Andrew Luck for the most career games with 350 passing yards and four passing touchdowns by a player 25 or younger. Make sure you're clear on what I'm saying. He still has 13 games this season, and the first handful next season. He's going to obliterate that. Obliterate. Next, he has thrown in the month of September in his career 31 touchdowns and zero interceptions. In the month of September, he is 31 touchdowns, zero picks. He is 10-0 and in his career as a starter in September games. 10-0. and 0. And finally, and this is where I thought the Ravens played a terrible game last night. People are going to focus on their offensive game plan last night. To me, their defense was a huge mistake. They walked in there thinking, we put this defense together. We went out and got Marcus Peters. We are going to make Patrick Mahomes' life miserable and hold up on the back end. And he looked them in the face and laughed. They were sending the house at Mahomes last night, and he loved it. They blitzed him 21 times last night. On those 21 blitzes, they touched him zero times. Zero. He finished those plays 17 of 21 for 219 yards and three touchdowns against the blitz. You blitz this guy, you are out of your mind. You watch this weekend when Belichick goes up against him. Now, I think the Chiefs will beat the Patriots this weekend. But you watch Belichick play coverage and not let him make big plays. You blitz this guy, you are crazy. And Wink Martindale last night just couldn't not do it. He just couldn't help himself. And that was a t- a, a, an absolutely terrible game plan. So the Ravens, people are going to talk about their offense. And there were major concerns. Lamar Jackson didn't throw for 100 yards last night. He threw for 97 yards on that stage. That's a terrible performance. And, and the chasm between him and Mahomes felt awfully wide last night. And Lamar called the Chiefs his kryptonite, which they are. He's now 0-3 against them and 21-1 and against the rest of the league. Lamar Jackson is going to have a lot of great football games ahead of him this year. That was a bad night last night. Great players tend to have them. I'm not going to overreact to a bad night from Lamar. There's some things there he needs to clean up and they need to clean up and they will. He's a great player and he's going to be a terrific player for a long time to come. But Mahomes is on a level all his own. And for them to be sending extra rushers at him all night long, and it it's, like, it's like walking up to Mike Tyson and just holding your chin out and saying, just go ahead and punch me as hard as you want. I'm convinced I can take it. And as Tyson famously said, everyone's got a play until they get punched in the face. So last night, the Ravens, in their defense, in my mind, more than their offense, got punched in the face. To me, that was a huge mistake. So the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. Right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are clearly We were doing this by the old BCS standard or whatever we want to call it. The Chiefs are the number one best team in the NFL. And the best team in the NFC, in my opinion, is Tampa. So as we go back to the week we launched the show and I gave you my Super Bowl prediction, I told you the Chiefs and the Bucks will play in the Super Bowl. And I know we're a long way from that. But three weeks in, I feel great. I feel great about those picks. The Chiefs are unstoppable if they stay healthy. I can't even fathom the injuries they'd have to have that would sideline them. And the Bucks are going to get better and better and better. Their offense is getting better. Brady looks more comfortable. That defense is good. And in a league with no great defenses, good is great. Kansas City right now and Tampa are the teams to beat. All right, coming up next, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, my first in-studio guest on the new show he will join me and we will tell you exactly what isn't going to happen next in la greeny the podcast
0: this show is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors i do you do we all do big small and when we keep them bottled up as i sometimes have had happen in the past it can start to affect us negatively therapy is a safe space
2: eligible items only exclusions
3: apply
1: coaching change for the Clippers Doc Rivers is out following the
3: season I struggle to figure out who's going to be a better coach that's out there I do think T. Lou should get real consideration he has all of the winning pedigree that you want
2: Big stories in the NBA on the eve of the beginning of the finals. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio and joining me now in the Seaport, giving me the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise is officially my first in-studio guest oh. on this incarnation of the radio show, the one and old, only Adrian Wojnarowski. Hello, Woj. It's
3: a great honor. It, it, Greeny.
2: It, the honor is mine, and I'm thrilled to have you. He tells me he just finished taping Steve Nash. For the Woj Pod, which should be fascinating, as the new coach of the Nets, and it was a very interesting story there.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and he's uh, his approach to this is going to be really interesting with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and and putting walking into a situation in Brooklyn where there's no there's not much of a learning curve, an opportunity to have a learning curve. This is a team that's expected to compete for a championship, certainly compete for an Easter Conference title right away. Uh, but we, we had a great conversation.
2: Yeah, so we look forward to that. That'll be available today. In the meantime, it's a perfect segue. Speaking of teams that are expected to win championships right away, it was from your Twitter feed, which is where I get most of my NBA news, that we found out yesterday that Doc Rivers is out as the coach of the Clippers. We didn't get deeply into this on Get Up this morning. I was surprised by that, and it feels to me like the circumstances if, – if the way you you painted it was that – that this really was an owner-driven decision. This was not Doc saying I, I, we sort of mutually decided this, which is how I first interpreted it when I, when I saw the news and what I expected it to be, because it seems to me to fire a guy because they basically played three bad games in a row in, in a bubble in the middle of a pandemic with all the other things that are going on with as well as he has generally done there. It surprised me a little. Were you surprised when you got that news yesterday?
3: Well, I... I think those conversations were going on within the Clippers since they lost, um, all up and down the organization. Like, what do we? What can we do roster wise? You know, whether it's style of play, staff, all the things you start to look at. But I I think for for, I think it's certainly at the ownership level. I think with Steve Ballmer. Remember, this is the second time under his since he's owned the team they've lost a three-one lead. I remember. Being in Houston when the uh, when Doc lost that 3-1 lead, was it six years ago? And uh, standing outside the locker room and watching Steve Ballmer observe Doc and his coaching staff talking in the hallway after they had lost, and then they were headed in the locker room. And, and, and I thought of that scene in the bubble the night that uh, the Clippers lost that third straight to Denver. That's hard for anybody to survive, and... Listen, Steve Ballmer had, and they all did, tremendous expectations for this team. He put it together, the deals they made, what they gave up in the Paul George trade, and then obviously coupled with that getting Kawhi Leonard to come in as a free agent, all the picks they've given up moving forward, they've got to win. And I think in the end, he decided that he was not going to run this back um, without some significant change and – and moving on from Doc Rivers is a significant change for them.
2: Huge. I, I will tell you, I was taken aback by it yesterday. And the name you brought up, and it's the one everyone will think of, is the name Ty Lu. Do they believe? Does Bomber believe that Ty Lu was the guy to take this team from point B to point C next season?
3: Well, that's going to be the conversation, and I'm, I, I think that's beginning to be the conversation now. Um, if if the be- is the best available candidate on the market. Was he right? Is he right there on your staff? And Ty Lue came to work for Doc after he had turned down the Laker job last year. Remember, essentially, uh, he and the Lakers could not agree on length of a deal. And so when Ty Lue turned it down, Frank Vogel accepted the job. And then Ty went with, with Doc with the Clippers. And Ty had worked for Doc in Boston, uh, got into coaching with him. They're very close. Uh, And I think that, uh, you know, for Ty Lue, listen, he brings a a lot of similar qualities to Doc. He is, and and I think this got lost with people in Cleveland where sometimes there's this sense that LeBron runs everything or LeBron's running roughshod. That's not what the relationship was with LeBron, Kyrie, Ty Lue. Ty Lue was not afraid um, to be confrontational, and it's a good quality in a head coach uh, I think it made him intriguing in Philly as they're trying to piece that together um, with, with their hire. He's interviewing in Philadelphia today, I'm told, you know, Mike D'Antoni is also a candidate there, but uh, Tyloo checks a lot of boxes relationships with the guys that are there, a sense you can, there, you know, you don't want to change it. I'm not sure they feel like they've got to change everything, but he'll do it differently. He's a different person than doc. Uh, but there's some things that I think would stay in place and, he's done it he's won a championship he's been to the finals three times and he also knows what it's like to be under the spotlight and that job like when you're sitting at the podium and talking and um like the fact that you've done it before you've been through it i think those are all elements that that help ties candidacy there
2: Greeny and woge with you here on espn radio okay so tomorrow night we get the beginning of an nba finals unlike any in history And you were down there for the last, was it six weeks or so? seven weeks. Seven weeks in the bubble. I I think a lot of us, I I will tell you that as a a, a longtime, you know, broadcaster and reporter, there's a part of me that would have loved to have gone down there and covered that. It just seems like a fascinating experience to have had. I'm sure it was very difficult in many ways. For all of us who have just been watching it, like how would you describe what life is like inside that bubble for you? And and I think the fans would be interested to know for the players as
3: well. Did you ever see the movie The Truman Show? Yes, I did. With Jim Carrey. With Jim Carrey. And actually, you know, Rick Carlisle's kind of a Jim Carrey lookalike, right? People have always (laughs) said that. So he actually had Jim Carrey on the set (laughs) uh, for for a while. He's not as funny, but yes. (laughs) He is. He's got a great (laughs) sense of humor. But it felt a little like that in that you have this enclosed environment. If you remember in the Truman Show, he'd get to the intersection, and the same woman would come by on a bike every day. And some days, like, here would come Nick Nurse, day of game seven, I can't. Nick Nurse game seven. Mike Malone day of his game seven. I'd see him going around. I'd see LeBron going over the bridge on his bike, Uh, and you sort of had this set boundaries, like in the Truman Show. Like if you walked too far, you went behind the screen. There, like there was only so far you could walk, and then it's being televised. Right? It's being the the arenas, the gyms. They were literally like television sets. Like you'd walk in. I remember walking in for. Like, right at the beginning of the playoffs, it was a Lakers-Portland game one, and you know, I, Rob Palenka was there and, and said hello before the game, and we were chatting. And, you know, I know what it feels like in Staples Center before a Laker playoff game, and it's, it's Hollywood, it's celebrities. There's a buzz in the building, in the city. And you walk in, and it's just the same 40 or 50 people you see every day. But, oh, by the way, this is game one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was surreal. I mean, no question.
2: It has been... Unbelievable, and I I think I opened up the show today by giving credit to Rob Manfred for guiding Major League Baseball to where they are, their postseason starts today, to Gary Bettman, whose team crowned a champion last night, and to the NBA – who have been so far out in front of all of this thing from the very beginning, and they're going to make it. I mean, they make it to their finish line this week, and we look forward to it. The games will be on ABC tomorrow night and Friday and Sunday, and on it goes. Woj, it is terrific to have you back. Great to see you. Thank you for coming by. Thanks for having me in. Again, Steve Nash on the Woj pod this week. That'll be available uh, starting later today. As we continue uh, with Greeny here with you on ESPN Radio, there was one reason that I'm hoping it is not over for Mitch Trubisky in Chicago. (laughs) Bears quarterback switch meant they never wanted to play Trubisky in the first place. He was just a terrible draft pick. That's going to go down as one of the worst picks ever.
3: If I am Matt Nagy, I have to now let them know Nick Foles is our starting quarterback moving forward.
2: That's right, Keyshawn, and that's exactly what he did yesterday. Nick Foles has replaced Mitch Trubisky in Chicago as the starting quarterback. That was yesterday's news. But there is a reason that I have for hoping that it is not over for Trubisky in Chicago. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. We'll make this our Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The reason is because my friend Dan Graziano, who's a terrific NFL insider and is with me in studio twice a week on Get Up, he ran through all the reasons not to expect Nick Foles to be the starter for the remaining 13 games of the season. One is that he's never done that before. He always gets replaced, either through poor player because of injury. And so he, Dan Graziano, went on to make this promise in the event that Foles continues to play the entirety of the season. If Nick Foles starts all 13 remaining games for the Bears this year, I will wear a Bear costume on this show on live television. I promise you that. You can hold me to it. If he starts 13 more games this year, Bear suit. Bear suit. He says Bear suit. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. I I tend to mostly disagree with Graziano and that, which is to say, I believe Matt Nagy has moved on from Trubisky. So the only way that Foles isn't the quarterback the rest of the year, I, I think there's almost no level of bad he'd have to play that he would get replaced. Could he get hurt? Of course he could get hurt, and he has a history of getting hurt. But I think he will start the remainder of the season, and I think, unfortunately, that is going to go down as one of the worst draft picks of all time. I actually was thinking about this. We were talking about it in our pre-show meeting before Get Up today. And the example that everyone will always use is Sam Bowie was drafted one spot before Michael Jordan in the NBA draft in 1984. And obviously, Bowie didn't turn out to be a great player. Hakeem Olajuwon, by the way, went one that year. It was Olajuwon one, Sam Bowie two, Jordan three. Olajuwon, he historically isn't as great a player as Jordan, but you certainly can't say it was a bad pick. It was a great pick, and they won two championships, and he's one of the best players ever. So Bowie is the one that is painted as a terrible pick, and it is. But injury played a huge role in that. Sam Bowie probably would have been a very good player, but he was hurt and never really got a chance to show it. Same with Greg Oden. Greg Oden was selected first, whatever year that was, he came out of college, (coughs) pardon me, in the NBA, one spot ahead of Kevin Durant, But he was just never healthy at all. I think he would have been a great player, but he was never healthy. The real busts, the ones to compare them to, because Trubisky is not hurt, is the players who got drafted and just couldn't do it. I guess the most famous example of that in the NFL is Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell was the number one pick in the NFL draft in 2007. And he was just terrible. And I just decided to look at what he has going for him is that no other great quarterback went after him. See what, what unfortunately, and this is not Trubisky, none of this is Trubisky's fault. But the fact that Trubisky was drafted ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson is what cements it. So, Jamarcus Russell was not drafted ahead of any great quarterbacks. I will tell you, however, that in that draft, in the the rest of the top ten Calvin Johnson was taken Hall of Famer. Joe Thomas was taken Hall of Famer. Adrian Peterson was taken Hall of Famer. Marshawn Lynch was taken Hall of Famer. Darrell Revis was taken Hall of Famer. So there were plenty of great players in that draft, but they weren't quarterbacks. Ryan Leaf, much like Trubisky, was the second pick in the draft. I believe that was 98. I'm doing that one off the top of my head. I think it was 98 that he and Peyton came out. The good news for Leaf, if you want, and the good news for the evaluation is that he didn't go ahead of Peyton. Being the second round, being the second pick in the draft that year was a terrible pick. And obviously his career, is, he acknowledges it freely and he's actually very open. I've grown to like him very much, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it was a terrible pick. But it would have been much worse if Peyton Manning had gone third. If Ryan Leaf had been drafted ahead of Peyton Manning, that would have been worse than this, at least now, and we'll see where it winds up. But with Mahomes trending towards what he's trending towards, the analogy to Sam Bowie is actually a very good one because Bowie was drafted ahead of Jordan. and Patrick Mahomes is looking more and more like Michael Jordan every day, right down to the shrug. When you saw him shrug running off the field last night, you tell me you didn't think of Michael Jordan that night in the old Chicago Stadium when he had six threes in the first half against Portland in the NBA Finals and ran up the court and shrugged at Magic Johnson like I don't get it either. I cannot be stopped. No one can believe how good I am, including me. I was in the building that night. That was, one of the first, that was the first NBA finals I covered in Chicago. And I'll never forget that night. And that look that Jordan had, Mahomes has it. Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan. He's got next. All right, if you're just joining us here and you have not um, sort of been up on the things that are going on, they're not good. The news from the NFL is not Good. The Texan, excuse me, the Titans. I'm just going to read you the latest note I got from Dan Graziano. The Titans story is extremely fluid, will likely change several times between now and tomorrow morning. At this point, what we know is the Titans are shut down for a minimum of four days. The Vikings, whom they played last week, shut down at least until they get the results of today's testing back. League contact tracing has identified 48 close contacts with the eight people in Tennessee who tested positive. Those close contacts will be retested and isolated until their tests come back. So far, none of the eight positive tests are symptomatic. Hope is that the Vikings tests all come back negative. If they don't, this could start to be a wildfire situation. League always anticipated this would happen. They believe in the protocols they've set up for isolation and tracing. As for rescheduling games, those contingencies are being discussed. No clean solution here. As we've stressed several times, the outcome or resolution could end up being unfair for one or more teams. Possible some teams end up playing more games this year than others. A lot of stuff is still on the table. That's the latest that we have on this story, that eight members of the Tennessee Titans organization, including three players, have tested positive for the coronavirus. Their facility has been shut down till Saturday. They're supposed to play the Pittsburgh Steelers in a huge game on Sunday. I shouldn't even say it that way because the magnitude of the game is really irrelevant to the story. This is a very big story. It is the first of these that we've had to deal with so far in the NFL. It would be a mistake to assume it will be the last. We'll come back with more on that. Marcus Spears and other things in a moment. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN
1: News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.